Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Welcome uh, to the show, Seattle. So if you don't know, this is the... <laughs> Um, if you guys don't know, for people out in the audience, this is the Masters of Modern podcast. Uh, mostly we interview people that are modern masters, and we like to talk about it and are good at it. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, bannings and the ban list. So right, we're going to do a ranking of all cards on it and how likely they are to be unbanned and not unbanned in order. So we'll start with the least likely, in our opinions, to be unbanned. Uh, and all then get the to the down. card that we think is likely to or, or just not even that, just like the card that we just think like should be legal. We just believe it. And then we're also going to do some highlights of some of the stuff right now that we think probably could get banned. Uh, Modern's kind of in a crazy place right now, right? It's like Modern is in, I think, the most degenerate and uh, unfair state that it's ever been. Well, it's a big flux moment. So we just had two extremely powerful sets. And we're and then on top of that, the mulligan rule is changing. So you have all of this stuff happening all at once. And it's hard to figure out what it's going to look like. And there are things happening that are degenerate that we'll get into. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because like, uh, we've classically been like a brew podcast. We talk a lot about fun card interactions and stuff we think is really cool and like want to abuse Muir Superior and other things of that nature. All those things are just like totally outclassed right now by what's happening. You can't just like put a 5-6 into play on turn two. It's just not good enough. It's not even close to good enough. So uh, now you have to you know, talk about what needs to go and, and, and all those things. So thanks for showing up for the Masters of Modern Podcast Live. And uh, should we just get into it? I mean, I guess shout outs. We have a YouTube channel. You should go check out the podcast there. Uh, we have a sister podcast, The Command Zone. You should also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Cass Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Babin Media. We are at the MM Cast, And let's get on to the first card. This is the card that we think is least likely to ever be unbanned and would make everything miserable for everyone. Yeah. Mental misstep. So if people don't know, it's one Frixian mana for an instant counter target spell with converted mana cost one. Uh, I don't know if many people were playing during the legacy period where this was legal. Uh, it's just makes the format a 56-card format. Yeah, it's not very fun. Um, I played this card in, in Standard, I remember, and, and if you think about it, like the free counter spells that you play in Legacy, Force of Will or, or your Days, you still need to have a blue card or you need to have an island. You have to have some amount of glue that ties that card into your deck. You don't need that in this. In this card, every single deck would just play four of this, just every single deck in Modern. If you look at the most played cards in modern history, they're pretty much all common one-mana cards. Well, it's, it's also like you put yourself in a format where the way the game works is the first, set, first three turns of the game are just two drew the most of this, and then that basically mind-twists your opponent down to them having less cards than you and you having more threats. And let's not talk about Snapcaster Mage and the fact that... <laughs> that that you revives have, it and gets worse yeah, and worse. Yeah, four more of these that you don't have to have more than two mana for. So I think this is pretty safe to say a card that nobody wants anywhere near modern. Uh, and should never be unbanned for, for multiple, multiple reasons. And as we go, especially for the first like half of this list, a lot of these are some of Wizards' greatest mistakes in printing cards. I mean, mistake is, we'll say, uh, aggressive expansion moments <laughs> that didn't work out for a format. I feel like this is a mistake. Yeah. So the next card, <laughs> uh, Skull Clamp, one uh, colorless artifact equipment. Equipped creatures get plus one. Minus one, whenever a equipped creature dies, draw two cards. It has an equip cost of one. Isn't the famous story that the original design on this card, it was... Uh, it was, it was plus one, plus zero, and they felt that that was too good, so they gave it the minus one ability so that 
it uh, yeah. was a negative effect that then let you just draw infinite cards. I'm not really sure how you missed that. <laughs> but oh, uh, like, I mean, like, a lot of these times when they make these changes, it's a last-minute decision, right? So right, it's, right, right. It's, they go into, like, Wizards has a design process, and the kids get printed and not printed, and they like sometimes they're like, oh, we have, like, one week until this releases, and we need to make a final tweak. Let's tweak this real quick. And then they don't that doesn't get as much testing as other effects, and so it goes in the print, and then right. 62 years later, they find out how good it is. And in this case, it was too good. Now, Skullclamp is really fun to play with, don't get me wrong. Um, as, as I think a lot, like, Mental Misstep's not very fun to play with. I've played with Skullclamp in you know, more casual formats, and it's a really fun card. It, it yeah, allows yeah. some really cool stuff. It allows you to draw out of really, really bad low-land hands and aggressive decks. But for mo for modern, it's just really going to be more of a combo card than anything else, and just enables too much unfair stuff. That I mean, I think a pretty safe position to take is if it's banned in Legacy, it should be banned in Modern. Right, right, I mean, right. That's not always true because different cards combo and the way the power levels of the formats interact differently. But yeah. this card is definitely on that list. I also just think like it's colorless. <laughs> it goes into any strategy you could possibly come up with. Right. Next, uh, we have Dread Return, and I imagine people are sick of the graveyard at this point. But Dread Return is two black black. Sorcery, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, it has flashback, which is the more important half, and you can sacrifice three creatures. If you think Hogak decks are bad now, <laughs> a conversation to have is with this entire conversation is half of this world is what do cards look like now, and then half of it is what do cards look like in a healthy modern. And so right now, obviously, Hogak exists, and this card would slide right into it and make other strategies like that unfun and, un and too powerful. Without that, even if they get rid of that deck, this would bring a deck like it or that deck itself right back into the fold. So Yeah, I think um, also when you look at this card and you think about how it interacts with strategies that, have, that classically have been really powerful versus are right now, I don't think Wizards is going to come out and ban 14 cards. I think they aren't going to come out and ban nine cards. I think we maybe are going to see three or four cards, maybe. And, and that's the top end. I mean, that's the most they've banned at one point at one time. And so there's just enough power that's printed into the format now that it makes you start to question the power level of certain cards to the point that I think with Dread Return, is there a format where Dread Return is fair and legal and modern and it's okay to have? Or do you think that Dread Return in no format will ever be? Because right well, no, now like, it's just like totally Dredge bad. Like Dredge wins on turn zero in Legacy with Dread Return in it, and it doesn't do that here, and it's still probably too good with Creeping Shell. Yeah, like I guess there is no other resurrection spell that can be played for nothing from your graveyard. Yes. And no matter how you cut well, it, if and it's then you like, had, like you had the layers that it's a sack outlet out of your graveyard, so cards like Bridge from Below get much more powerful. And I said that right, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, you go through just like all the different circumstances. This is just going to be too powerful. Well, we were, we played a game recently in a in more casual format where like we were like negotiating back and forth with counter spells and board states, and like I was like holding on to my counter spell, and finally you like tried to get Iona into play with, like, Dread Return. You hard cast it. And I was like, counter it. You lose, right? And you were like, no. I sack three creatures, you lose. Iona's in play. And I was like, ah, oh, I forgot. This card's so stupid. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Uh, next card, uh, Eye of Ugin. This is a land, legendary land, colorless Eldrazi spells you cast. Uh, cost two less to cast. Search your library for a colorless creature card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library if you tap it and pay seven. Um, this card, single, not single-handedly, but among many of the cards printed in Oath, uh, of the Gatewatch and Battle for Zendikar broke modern in a format historically known as Eldrazi Winter. Um, I think people, and I forget who's doing it, you watched, who, uh, are doing like... Channel uh, is doing right now some, some like versus content that's, that's playing some of the banned and unfair decks against uh, decks that are legal right now to kind of get a sense of power level and I didn't watch this one but I watched the twin one. So, so like the, the world, what, basically what I read is you have 
decks that we'll talk about later that just got stomped on by Hogak and other decks doing this, Ayavugan was still a deck that's too powerful and fights against the decks that are currently considered too powerful that are legal at a degree. So this is just never coming off. Yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, I remember when this, this Pro Tour happened and, and the Ayavugan moment and just like looking at the, how fast those decks worked and every other strategy from that Pro Tour was just pretty much invalidated. Well, there was like a moment... I remember deep GP Detroit, where literally, which was the main modern GP after that Pro Tour, and the entire top 60 tables were just different versions of Bant, Blue Red, right. and Blue White Eldrazi decks. To the point that it's so powerful that even after they banned this, there's been like a long stretch of just like using Noble Hierarch and Eldrazi Temple to still play that deck. Right. And it's not as good, but it's still a pretty good deck. And there's moments it's like Tier 1, and obviously it's fell out a little bit by the wayside, but this card is not good for anyone. Next is Treasure Cruise. A lot of these cards, the ones that were banned, were responsible for the more degenerate versions of magic in modern history. Uh, Treasure Cruise is one blue, seven, sorcery, delve, draw three cards. Um, this was the same summer, summer, right, that we had the, the Birthing Pod deck really taking off, and no, we had so, blue, so, red, delver. So Birthing Pod went into Khan's block, uh, dominating the format. Right. It was like a jun that, and then they printed all the delve cards and all of the onslaught fetches, and... Uh, rhinos, and so then Birthing Pod got Rhino, making it just like no longer playing the combo and just a like value oriented top of the, the format. And then this created the Jeskai Sensi decks and the Delver decks, the blue -red Delver, and yeah. just kind of blew, blew the format in half. And um, interesting enough, one of the, the GPs at the end of that format were some of the most diverse GPs that we've had. There are eight different decks, it's just they are all relatively degenerate. Delve is a mechanic they should never print again. <laughs> yeah, well, Hogak. Um, <laughs> no, but, well, but I, I think what's funny about this card is, like, some of the stuff on here, you can see there's been, like, a better version, maybe, or, like, a competitive version of that card that's been printed since, right? This card, there isn't a different version of Treasure Cruise that's come along since that invalidates the power of this. And the graveyard's easier to fill up and even more dangerous than it was then. Right, imagine so, having this in a Phoenix deck. Or, oh, my yeah. God, it's, it's not even fair. Because like, I wonder if you put up Blue-Red Phoenix from that summer with this card, again, or sorry, uh, Blue-Red Delver in that summer with this card, sure. versus just straight-up Blue-Red Phoenix now. I think probably this deck still wins, Blue-Red Delver, because you have access to this card. I think they play a combination of both. Yeah. Yeah. Next card. Uh, right of Flame, red. Sorcery, add red, red to your mana pool, then add red to your mana pool for each card named Right of Flame in your graveyard, or in each graveyard. Um, this was only very legal in Modern for like the first two months or three months of the format. I don't think history. it was ever legal. Yeah, was it? It, was, it, was, it was legal in the first Pro Tour. No? All right, so moving on. Right. Uh, <laughs> Wizards doesn't like Storm. They are printing cards that are more interactive on the s in play that have storm effects. So we're getting Aetherworks Reservoir. Aetherflux Reservoir. Uh, and then you get, you know, Thousand Year Storm and all these other cards. So they are hating the effect of playing a bunch of spells in a turn. But they think that, like, rituals like this are probably just unhealthy. And there's a ritual that we'll talk about later that I think is actually a little healthier to release. But this being basically Dark Ritual is too powerful a format. I think also just... Like, because I was thinking about this, the way this card interacts with the, the various rituals, and yeah, it definitely turns on Storm, and, and the I win on my turn, like, doing everything Storm plan is great, but also just playing, like, this into two different Desperate Rituals, and then a Empty the Warrens, and getting, like, whatever, you're getting eight 1-1s on turn one. Sure. It's just not really fair or necessarily fun to play against. Even yep. if you're not getting the best version of your deck, it's still, like, just a really good thing you can do that might just win on its own. And so I think uh, you shouldn't be able to access this much mana on turn one. Just is what it is. Golgari Grave Troll. Four green creature troll skeleton. 
Uh, Golgari Grave Troll enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it. For each creature card in your graveyard, you may spend one mana to remove a plus one, plus one counter from Golgari Grave Troll to regenerate it. And then it has Dredge 6 and is a 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, really, really important piece of text on this card, more than anything else, is that it has Dredge 6. Yeah. Uh, this is just, this was unbanned, it was banned. It was unbanned again. It was banned. <laughs> right, it's the only uh, card in Modern's history that has been what, banned and then unbanned and then banned again, correct? It was started banned, was unbanned, and then was banned. Yeah. I think it's the only one. Yeah, so it, it was. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, again, I wonder, I just sort of wonder where we're going to end up with graveyard decks. It feels like right now the graveyard's the most dangerous thing in modern. So I wonder where we're going to end up with it because they have, to, they have to fix the graveyard on some level, but they can't fix it totally. It's, I mean, there's a good Twitter thread, but basically, like, we're living in a world right now where Wizards has printed for the last two years just continuously more and more powerful graveyard interactions, and the hate cards have also been being printed, but they're just not good enough. Like, even with like, people main decking Layla the Void, people main decking Surgical Extraction, you're not getting enough power to be able to fight these cards, and so you're really living in a situation where Grave Troll is only going to exacerbate that problem, and if anything, they need to get rid of more graveyard interaction, not add it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Doesn't uh, that hurt you, though, because of how much you love dredge and dredge cards? Yeah, but I, like, understand why it's powerful. Do you think that Grave Trolls in your top 25 favorite cards ever printed? No. Not even close? Uh, I mean, it's oh, top 100. What's your favorite dredger, other than Life from the Loam? There's four <laughs> choices. Like Stinkweed Imp, it's the best blocker in Magic. Stinkweed Imp, good answer. <laughs> and it's legal and modern. Uh, Gitaxian Probe, Phyrexian Mana, Blue, Sorcery, look at the top player's hand, look at target player's hand, and draw a card. Um, this, I think we realized, is the most banned card, one of the most banned cards in Magic right now, now that it is restricted in Vintage and banned in Legacy. It, it, a free spell in a world where getting free spells is extremely powerful, with Delve, with Phoenix activations, with, and then you get into the world of Storm and everything else, makes it just like, just a little bit too efficient on that end. Um, and then add to the fact that you are giving decks that need the ability to see what their opponent can do to stop them, uh, an ability to do that for free is just, just one step above too powerful. Um, the fact that Infect was playing this, the fact that Storm was playing this. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it keeps coming back to the same point, right? If you can play it in any deck, and it creates advantage and allows you to play 56 cards, probably shouldn't be legal. And I think, you know, when we, when we ranked this list, we kind of put them in three categories, right? There was the stuff that was, should never come back. There was the stuff that were kind of bees in our mind. Like, we, it's a real discussion. And then the stuff that just definitely should be legal. This card's definitely still on the uh, should never come back list. I, where, do we, where do we cut off? Is this the last one? No, no, we still have those. Okay. Uh, what the really is that status A, which are going to never be unbanned, B are things that people on Twitter will yell at us to tell us that they should be unbanned and we disagree with, and C are things that could be unbanned or have an argument, especially right now in the format we're in, that like, are laughable that they're banned compared to powerful cards that are legal. This uh, card just makes the decks that, it, that are already good better, so right. why do you need it? Um, next is Chrome Mox, zero mana. Uh, for an artifact, it imprints when Chromox enters the battlefield. You may exile a non-artifact non-land card from your hand. Add one mana of any color exiled cards. Sorry, add one mana of any of the exiled cards' colors to your mana pool. Um, we are going to get to a conversation at the after we go through the ban list of what cards could be or couldn't be banned that are currently legal. Multiple of those are cards that are less efficient at producing fast mana than this card is. They are classically responsible for some of the more degenerate game states that can happen in modern and or magic in general. I don't think Chrome Mox is a card that can come off. If Chrome Mox was legal right now, the format wouldn't feel that different than it feels right now. It would actually just slot directly into a lot of decks that already are playing effects like this. 
But if modern changes and slows down a little bit, this cannot be legal. So, I mean, I wonder if modern was not going to get a card ban. Let's just say that everything that's legal currently stayed legal. I wonder how we would have done this list if we didn't assume that modern eventually will regress to a place of like well, a little bit more fairness. I still don't think this card gets unbanned. Like yeah, there are I other agree. cards on here. Like I don't think they're just gonna make it more degenerate. Uh, next is Cloudpost. Uh, it's a land locust. Cloudpost comes into play tapped. Add one mana to your mana pool for each locust in play. This combos with the other locust land, so you have a total of eight available plus Vesuva, which gets you up to twelve. This is a card that powers out Eldrazi faster than Tron, and all of the cards that Tron likes to play faster than Tron does in a world where we're dealing with Karn and Microsynth Lattice. On top of that, this is problematic. It's debatable that the Tron lands should be legal anyway at this point. Right. Like, they're already really good. This was legal at the first Modern Pro Tour ever only, I believe. And I believe it was the best deck at that Pro Tour. And it was the most played. It, I don't think it had the best turn on day two, but that had more to do with, or day three, whatever, but that had more to do with Everyone knew it was the best deck, so it was playing as much land hate they could play or as much ways to fight Eldrazi that they could play. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. It's fast. It's pretty like self-explanatory. I don't think it makes the format any better to have it legal. Um, so next, the next two cards actually kind of fall into this. This one's the more powerful of the two uh, and is probably banned also from a power level perspective. But uh, this card is Sensei's Divining Top. One uh, colors to play it, artifact, one mana, look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in any order. Uh, you may tap it to draw a card, then put top back on its owner's library. Um, this has two issues. One is power level wise. It's brainstorm every turn. It allows you to kind of stack the top of your deck. But more importantly, this and the next card make tournament running as we get talked over by a tournament uh, unplayable. Like, you can't organize them. The amount of draw brackets you have and the amount of time that they take, because you can take 60 actions with top per turn, makes it so that you can't really run a tournament in a feasible way at a GP level. Yeah, I mean, mad, yeah. some of the, some of the, like, you have to think about sometimes of the card and the way that it affects the game. It is a game, and you need that game to function well. At the com highest level of competition, you want to be able to show up and have a good time, run your tournament in a timely manner. So this, and then the next card, which we can just kind of lead into, uh, Second Sunrise, they're both cards that do something similar, which is just the game goes on and on and on, and you can kind of pause your turn and take forever, and if you get into turns at a certain point where you're not timed anymore... You can take a 12-minute turn. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how they're kind of different. Top is a card that allows players, like a player who is not as good with the deck that they're playing can take much, much longer and have much more decision fatigue as they go through a tournament getting slower and slower. But their turns are kind of slow as they go versus Second Sunrise, which is a less powerful effect, but uh, during turns can have those 20 to 30-minute turns that makes every single round go over time so far that it makes an actual tournament break down and not function. Yeah, I think um, Second Sunrise is really specific. It's really specific to the deck that it's been in, whereas Top is a card that I think you would see show up in a lot of decks if it was legal, just because that's really good. It's a really, really good way to control your draws and just like be strong. Well, and, but I think it, it, like, the issue with Top is that with Miracles and with um, Counterbalance, it's also just too powerful for the format, so you add both halves of it, versus Second Sunrise that is not too powerful, but is too difficult to have in an organized play format. I think a quick thing to address before we get to the next conversation, just because we're talking about top now, and Miracles classically has been such a good deck in Legacy, where, what do you think the difference is right now, the power level versus Modern and Legacy? If you, uh, if I you, think Modern is faster right now than Legacy you is. You think Modern is more powerful or faster? Faster, which is arguably means more powerful. I think Modern right now is a turn six format, and by that I mean I'm stealing this joke, but there are three turns each player gets to play. There are six sure. turns total in a game versus Legacy that has way more play. Even Vintage has way more play and can go farther than that. Interesting. Okay. Um, 
Sorry, I'm looking up where we are in the listing. But next card is Summer Bloom, green colorless. Sorcery, you may play up to three additional lands this turn. So this card is the original card that made the amulet decks work. Uh, you would play this on turn two after playing an amulet on turn one. You would then play a bounce land uh, three times. It would come in untapped. You'd generate six mana. You would get a primeval titan on turn two. And I think if I remember correctly, you just win on turn two with that deck. Yeah, no, it, not consistently. Uh, the 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 interesting thing is that there are a few cheaters that got banned from the game due to abusing the deck by stacking their decks with this card, and so their win rate percentage on turn two was higher than necessarily is what would normally happen with the card. But right now, the deck is already still a tier two to tier one deck. It's one of the best decks in the format. Amulet decks also just got a big shot in the arm with the new Lotus Bloom land they're printing in M20. Right. So I feel like this is a card that not only with new cards that they're printing becomes too powerful, but already was doing things that were like unnecessary and don't, we don't need the power boost to the deck. It's also one of those weird cards from 8th edition, right? We've had nine, this conversation nine. before. Ninth? Yeah. We've had the conversation before about 8th and ninth edition and how much the printing of the, the reprints in those sets affected modern in a negative way. Yeah. And they're just like, weird, and they, they affect the format in you ways like, that we you have, like. It's Snaring Bridge, you have this, you have the Tron Moon, lands, right? you have Tron Lands. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of cards that if they were gone... At one time, anyway, Modern would have been better. I don't know now. You know, we're in the Wild West. Um, next card is uh, Glimpse of Nature. And this is the... Uh, no, it's not the last. But uh, Glimpse of Nature, one green sorcery. Whenever you play a creature spell this turn, draw a card. Um, this would obviously give a huge boost to Elves decks. Elves decks that play Glimpse of Nature and Legacy actually have the problem of going to time the way that Eggs used to, where they just can do so many things. And like, if you're playing, especially against a deck playing Terminus or other board wipes, they have to like reset every turn, but they can just keep going after it. Now, they have less mana generators, such as Gaia's Cradle, in the format, but I do think that this card would give too big of a boost to decks like that, like Fecundity Goblins, like uh, Affinity-style artifact decks with a bunch of free creatures. We had a bunch of conversations when we were making this list about like the balance of the ideas here, and one of them, this was one of the ones that was kind of polarizing, because on the one hand, it's super good for exactly one style of deck, and really super good for one deck in particular, and that deck's already pretty good, but I still think that this just pushes it to a level that makes the deck a lot less fun to play against. Right. We're, we're now, I mean, in many ways, this is better or can be in the decks that are playing it better than Ancestral Recall right. like on, on a base level. And then on top of that, you know, we're now in the section of cards that, like, can maybe drift in power level depending on metagame versus the first 12 that we just did. And if you guys 14. have any questions, by the way, about this conversation or what we're doing, the end of the show, we're going to be doing a Q&A as well. So uh, just stick around or, you know, uh, save your questions if you have them because we'd like to answer any questions you guys have. Next card is Hypergenesis. Uh, Sorcery Hypergenesis is green. It has uh, no mana cost, uh, not zero, but none. You can't cast it from your hand. Suspend three, one green, green. Starting with you, each player may put an artifact creature, enchantment, or land card from his or her hand into play. Repeat this process until no one puts a card into play. Um, never been legal. Never been legal in the format. Well, it was, it was in the, like, the weird... The community cup. The community cup yeah, that yeah. started the modern format. But... Um, with Wizards' interest in giving Red the ability to do stuff like Electro Dominance, the Red Finale, uh, not to mention cards like As Foretold, this card is just becoming more and more powerful and more and more degenerate in the format that was already probably too good in the world with the Cascade spells that are available to it. Yeah, I, I, I'm a, I question this one just because, just because I feel like there's so many things that have to go your way for this to be as good as the degenerate things that you're doing right now. So I'm not totally sure, actually, if this in, you know, you need to play one of those cards you're talking about for this to work. Sure. Uh, so I guess, like, one interesting question is, is this better than Neoform? And I think Neoform's better. Sure. I think it's, it works so much more cohesively to get you where you want to get. But 
I don't know. It's I haven't ever played a game where I cast this off of like a cascade spell and and just crushed. It's been done to me in formats other than modern. But sure. Yeah, I question it. This one's right on the edge for me. Uh, next card is Dig Through Time. This is the other Delve spell from Consblock that got banned. Blue, blue, six. Uh, instant Delve. Look at the top seven cards of your library. Put two of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Um, this is a card that, you know, a lot of times people thought, and in Legacy, I think when they banned Treasure Cruise, they left this unbanned and eventually this followed it in the banning. But this ends up being more of a control card and more of a tutory esque card in blue than necessarily what Treasure Cruise was, which was an engine card that cycled through cards as much as possible. Um, the double blue on this definitely makes it weaker than Treasure Cruise, even though the being able to find the exact two cards you need is a more powerful effect. Um, where do you find yourself on Dig Through Time? Uh, on this card, I just worry about one thing in Modern, and that's Force of Negation. I just don't want to be playing in a format where, in response, I can, I can cast basically Counterspell. I just cast Blue Blue to net myself a card that I can then exile to this if that's what I need, as well as card selection, as well as pairing this with other cards. In a format where there's a free counter spell now, it just doesn't seem like where I want to be. Sure. Uh, next card is Blazing Shoal. Red, red, X. Instant Arcane. You may remove a red card with converted mana cost X in your hand from the game rather than pay Blazing Shoal's mana cost. Target creature gets plus X plus zero until end of turn. Uh, for those unaware of how the combo works, you have something like Progenitus or another really big red creature. Reaper King. Reaper King, yeah. uh, where you then can exile them from your hand to give a creature plus 10, plus 10, or more. And then you have an infect creature that you've attacked with often the unblockable one, because they're normally blue-red decks, or the land, and then you kill them on turn two, or three. Yeah, this um, was, I mean, in the, again, at that first Modern Pro Tour, this was one of the big strategies, where you would just, like, turn one Glistener Elf, turn two win. It's, a, um, it's an interesting card, because I don't think it actually would be that good of a deck. It just would just randomly beat people in ways too quickly that would be unfun for the format at large. The thing, again, another, another thing I point to, both Progenitus and Reaper King are blue cards. You have a free counterspell. Sure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> now yeah. you couldn't that protect it on your own turn, which is annoying. So like it wouldn't work. You wouldn't be able to attack and like hold open your free counter magic. Right. But the fact that your big stupid cards on their turn when you pass to them, just pitch to your free counterspell to leave you protected to win on your turn makes me like, yeah, I don't think you should have this legal. Yeah, it's 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 like there's so many good creature removal in the format now between Fatal Push and Abrupt Decay that would stop this. But on the other hand, the decks that don't have access to those cards or aren't playing them just like lose on turn two, which I think is too fast. Uh, next card is Deathrite Shaman. Black, green, hybrid, elf shaman, uh, creature, 1-2. You may tap it to exile target land from a graveyard, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. You may pay one black and tap it to exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Each opponent loses two life. You may pay one green and tap it to exile target creature card from a graveyard. You gain two life. This is one of three one-mana planeswalkers. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of my favorite cards of all time. Um, I... I don't think this would be good for modern in general if we want the format to be fun and not become really homogenous because I think this would end up in like just so many decks. The, the issue with this card, and it, this is the problem it had at the beginning with, is it's so good on turn one and it's so good on turn ten. And like we'll get to Green Sun Zenith eventually, and that has a similar problem. But the problem with this card is not only is it has that factor, but it also just like makes mana so much easier in modern that Jun decks can just play four colors. They can add Blood Moon to their deck and just be fine with it. Like the, it, it takes away a lot of the cost of playing those three color decks. On top of that. It just is such an, a convenient threat and easy to jam multiples. Now, on the other end, right now, this card answers a lot of the problems that we're going to go over when we talk about what cards need to be banned. The graveyard is the theme has been one of the most degenerate things that Wizards is allowed to happen. Dredge has X, Creeping Chill, Arclight Phoenix, 
Hogak decks, like all three of them would take a lot of advantage of a Deathrite Shaman being available to them and giving these mid-range decks that are already not that good a tool to be able to fight against these degenerate decks is probably a net benefit if the format continues the way it is. Yeah, like you wonder with a card like this, because back when it got printed, Jund, Jund just basically warped its mana base to be able to play like whatever it wanted, right? I remember Jund became four colors at the time, uh, and every single deck was playing this card. I wonder how many of the good decks now warp their mana bases and styles to fit four copies of this card in just because it answers so many things. Right. Like, can you imagine a world where like, Arclight Phoenix is just playing a third color and just playing four Deathrite Shaman. It's just the other threat. They've just found a way. Yeah, I can see that happening. Right? I mean, like, like <laughs> it, it allows you to do that, but on the other hand, it also hurts Arclight Phoenix, right? And be, that card becomes a worse card to be able to play with. Right. Uh, next card, Birthing Pod. Three and a green Phyrexian mana artifact. One green Phyrexian mana. Tap it. Sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the Sacrifice Creatures Converted Mana Cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you can cast a sorcery. Now, this card is an extremely powerful engine. As they print more creatures, it becomes more and more powerful. But we also live in a world where they're now printing more and more tutors, Eldorami's Call, the Green Finale. So like that tutor ability feature and what being able to find uh, uh, bullet cards is not necessarily as powerful as it once was, or at least as unique. On the other hand, the fact that it's repeatable allows you to kind of go off in a specific way. But I will say my favorite modern format of all time is pre-cons block, Splinter Twin, Birthing Pod. Right. Like all of those decks being legal and fighting each other. The idea that you, the format was like a, an actual turn four format where right. like Splinter Twin existed in this way to keep everybody honest so that on turn four, if you weren't interacting, you would lose on the fourth turn, maybe, is such a joke compared to what we have now. <laughs> This card, though, when I think about this card, it, it makes creature decks relatively homogenous in the sense that once the right build gets figured out in a birthing pod world, most of the builds start to look very similar. Mm -hmm. And it also makes it very hard for them to print creatures, which has always been the case. Well, but they're not, as we've seen over the last three years, they're not really worried about printing cards in the standard that are too powerful in modern, knowing that the ban list is there to be a safe gap for that moment, that they print a card too powerful. They would much rather have a card be good in standard than modern. Right. Now, I do agree this is probably too powerful for modern, but I think we're, we're getting close to the line, where these cards are cards that could be unbanned or not, or, or could see play, and I don't think they would be that degenerate compared to what's going on. Birthing Pod is, is debatable. I mean, there's a, there's, a way, there's a way you could convince me that Birthing Pod should be legal again in modern, just because of where we are right now. But it's not, I still don't lean towards it. I lean against it, but it's, it's close. Next card is Ponder. Uh, it's one blue sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in or any order. You may shuffle your library and then draw a card. I think of the cantrips that are banned, and we'll talk about Preordain in a second, this is the more powerful one because of the just how many decks are playing fetch lands in the format. And so I think one of these should be unbanned, and we'll talk about that when we talk about Preordain. I think the fact that Faithless Looting and um, Ancient Stirrings are both legal. Allow, it's laughable that Blue doesn't have access to cantrips that are comparable. This, I think, is too powerful. Yeah, I mean, the way that Preordained functions with a fetch land doesn't do that much. The way this functions with a fetch land makes it so much more, just, yeah, it just gets you closer where you need to get to. I don't know, though. Again, like, where we are right now, are one mana cantrips, like, good cantrips that powerful? Yes. 
I guess I mean, so. it allows decks to cut down. Phoenix, like Phoenix, will play this card easy, easy. as a four of, and yeah. like the other card we'll talk about, they'll play also. But it allows decks to be a little just too powerful. And I think we want one of these blue cards on yeah. And I just if I had to choose between them, this is the one that has the potential to be more degenerate. Yeah. People don't play with preordain in Legacy; they play with four ponder, four brainstorm. Four brainstorm. So moving on to oh. No, no, yeah. No, no, no. That's, yeah. that's, that's later. Yeah, yeah. So Umazawa's Jite, two colorless legendary artifact equipment. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage, put two charge counters on Umazawa's Jite. Remove a charge counter from Umazawa's Jite. Choose one. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Or target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Or you gain two life. Equipped two. Um, this card, weirdly enough, is the most often card we get requests to be unbanned online. So Jite, laughable. <laughs> so Jite is a card that if you are somebody who likes to play tempo decks with small creatures that fly or are unblockable or have cool repeatable effects, you hate this card as probably as much as I do. I, I'm a big Delver player. I'm somebody who's always loved playing like a 2-1 flash creature or some cool like rinky-dink 1-1. And this card just ruins your day. It is the most unfun thing to play against. And it's also extremely difficult because the counters go on the GTA, not the creature. So if you kill the creature, even after it gets the counters, they still have this GTA that they can activate. Right, you have, you have such a specific need of removal to be able to get rid of it. They still gain value off of the card, even if you get rid of it. it when a GTA isn't played, the game becomes about how to stop the GTA more than anything else. And the other issue for it is they can unban this, and I think it wouldn't like break the format in half. I don't think it would be like all top eight decks are playing GTA. I just think the format as a whole becomes much more miserable, and the decks that become powerful with it just start becoming oppressive and unfun. It, playing against this card is more unfun than playing with this card is fun, so. I would say that playing against this card is less fun than playing against Eggs or Storm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Next card is Dark Depths, uh, legendary Snowland. Super relevant right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dark Depths enters the battlefield with 10 ice counters on it. Three mana, remove an ice counter from Dark Depths. When Dark Depths has it, no ice counters on it, sacrifice it. If you do, create Merit Liege, a legendary 2020 black avatar creature token with flying and indestructible. So this interacts with Thespian Stage, Vampire Hex Mage, Aether Snap. Uh, is there another card that I can think of that automatically I mean, gets the, all... The two main ones are, are Vampire Hex Mage and Thespian Stage. So this allows you with those cards to copy it or remove the counters immediately, creating the 2020 as... Early as turn two with Urborg in play with Vampire Hexmage, and as early as turn three with Thespian Stage. Or uh, turn four? Thespian Stage, you need Thespian Stage, it, and two more sources. So but you if need you, turn four. But if you have a, any of the ways that get you ahead by a turn, which there's a lot of in modern right now, sure. you could do it on turn three. So turn three with help, turn four, as long as you have the lands. Um, can modern handle decks having a 2020 indestructible flying on turn two and/or turn four? This is like we're in the part of the conversation now where I could see this being unbanned as defensible because I can understand a format where somebody's playing this against me and it doesn't seem as good as a lot of the things people are doing. I mean, you can block with an Arclight Phoenix, right? Like you can just block this 2020. It's not, it doesn't have Trample, right? No, it doesn't. So there's a lot of ways to interact with lands already because of Tron. And we have Path to Exile the same way that Legacy has Swords to Plowshares. So... I don't totally know that this being in the format we have currently is actually a bad thing. I it's, think it'd be terrible. But really? Okay. You yeah. really don't like it? Uh, I think that this card creates game states that are not necessarily beneficial to the game. You put people in, like, yes, we have land hate the fight Tron, but it's not good. We don't have Wasteland. Wasteland would be bad for the format. Right. Like, Ghost Quarter would be fine against this card, but, like, it's not even like Tron where they need to assemble three pieces. You need to assemble this card and one of a bunch of other pieces that just work by themselves and are fine. 
this, I think this would just be a bad idea. I think the fact that Modern still relies heavily on the interaction of Thoughtseize with people's hands to keep the format somewhat fair makes this card, that's, that's where I lean against it. Sure. You, a, a Force of Negation or a Thoughtseize don't affect this. And so that's like, yeah. I think the best part about this card is that more people would play with Vampire Hexmage, which kills every Planeswalker under the sun, and I think that's cute and a cool idea. But I've been <laughs> building a Vampire deck with the new Soren from M20 that puts Chancellor of the Dross into play after you've Drain Gained with it in your opening <laughs> hand. And, uh, and I'm actually trying to play Hexmage in that deck as like a three of, because it's just generally good right now, and it's well, a Vampire. And that deck gets a big bump from, or like all of the Chancellors get a big bump from the new Mulligan roll, too. So like right, the fact right. that you can kind of guarantee you'll have it in your opening hand. Oh, yeah much more thoroughly than you normally could. Imagine a world where you're playing How good four is that Chancellor play, of the Dross in three. your opening hand, two Soul Spikes, and one Swamp. It's a turn one win, guys. You drain gain 12, and then you free them for another eight. It's crazy, right? You can do that in modern now. Explain Soul Spike world. to the world who doesn't know what uh, that card Soul is. Soul Spike <laughs> is black, black, five. Uh, four damage to target creature or player you gain for at instant speed, but you can exile two black cards from your hand to play it for free. It's like the Fury of the Horde card, except it's in black. So the four chancellors would trigger. You drain gain four times, right? So you go up 12, they lose 12. And then you pitch all four chancellors to your two soul spikes. They lose another eight. You gain eight. Not only do they die, but you gain 20 life. All right, we can yeah. move on. I, I, there are worse deck ideas I've heard in my life. Uh, next card, Seething Song. Two in a red instant. Add red, 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 red to your mana pool. Um, I think that this card... It's probably a little bit too of a bump for Storm. I don't know if it's too good, though. I mean, three mana is a lot of mana to get for Storm. Storm's already just good. I don't know if this is that much better than playing Gifts or anything else it's doing. True story. When they banned this card originally, I, I, this is probably the most surprising ban for me because I remember when they banned this, like, I knew Storm was a good deck and pros would play it at big events. But I still, at the time when they banned this card, was just like, I just don't care that much, and I, the deck continued to be good without it. Right. I think, like, the reason this card was banned is that at the time, Modo like, had a disproportionate number of Storm decks as one of the most played decks in the format. Right. Not because it was the best at winning tournaments, but because it was, like, 30 tickets for the whole deck, because it played right. with, like, mono, the blue-red lands before they became too expensive on Modo, and so it was just, like, it was an easy deck for people to pick up, and was good enough. So it was just, like, everywhere, and it is a miserable deck to play against if it's too much of a percentage of the format, so they wanted to take it, give it a hit to take it down, um, especially, I think, because it was at the same time they banned Bloodbraid Elf, Bloodbraid Elf, the first time, and, or the, the time they banned it, and so they wanted to, like, because they were giving a big hit for one of the best cards decks against Storm with Thoughtseize and everything, they wanted to take a, it down a notch as well. I think I'm pretty sure they banned this before the printing of Baral, so you still only had Electromancer as your only accelerant. Yes. And I think now in the world where you can play that many copies of a two-mana accelerant to cast this and get that the extra, extra mana out Five of it... Five for two, sure. ...makes me feel like it's a little suspect, but this one's pretty close to fair in the world that we live in now. Flusterstorm got printed. We can fight Storm all day long. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, press that button. This is the button to press. Uh, Crank Clan Ironworks, four mana artifact, sacrifice an artifact, add two to your mana pool. This was a weird band to me. This is kind of similar to the Seething Song where the band was like, I get it. It like has a similar problem that Eggs has where it makes tournaments problematic, both from a like explaining how the rules work with mana abilities and their speed as well as a timing issue. I do think that it was the best deck in the format, but compared to what's going on right now, it wouldn't be that much better than anything going on. Well, there was a lot of conversations we were having at the time about what the card to ban is. I mean, I think probably a lot of you guys had the same conversation at the time. It was all over Twitter, and everybody was trying to figure out, you know, do you get rid of Scrap Trawler? Is it this card? Um, Ancient Stirrings, Mox Opal. Mox Opal. 
And some of those, I mean, the, some of the conversation about those cards we're going to have in a minute once we get to the cards that are still legal, I think Modern's better without this deck. I don't think that this deck being legal was super-duper fun. Sure. Um, but, again, if you were to unban this at some point in a world, I don't know, though. I'd pro probably not. So, like, like, this versus Alter Dimension, which one's more problematic? Definitely Alter Dimension. <laughs> well, it's because this costs four, which is why I've never tried brewing with it. <laughs> I've never put this in one of my stupid brews because it costs more than two mana. You know? Who pays attention to that? Uh, next card, and this is actually probably the most requested card ever in to be unbanned, is Splinter Twin. Red, red, two. Enchant Aura, enchantment, enchant creature. Enchant creature has tap, put a token that's a copy of this creature onto the battlefield. That token has haste, exiled at the beginning of the next end step. Um, this card is infamous. It is probably the best blue-red deck in modern history up until Phoenix. Um, I did mention earlier when we were talking about Birthing Pod, I think my favorite version of modern is the Birthing Pod Splinter Twin metagame. Um, we had a great episode of the podcast you guys should listen to if you haven't, where we had Tom Apillion, who is an ex-Wizards employee, talking about like how they go through banned decisions, and he like shot called Splinter Twin being banned, um, and like goes through why that process would have happened. And so it's really interesting to see where they came from from that process. But do you think this is a card that could be unbanned? Definitely. We're we're into the part of the conversation where we're we're veering into probably should be legal versus like questionably illegal. and So you're definitely on Splinter Twin. Well, the more I thought about it, the more I've watched some videos with it. Now, don't get me wrong. I do understand why a format where you can cast Splinter Twin to win in a blue-red control deck is not the greatest for fair magic because the deck that put, plays Splinter Twin in that combo, they only need to play eight of their 60 or something to actually have it. Otherwise, you're just a blue-red control deck, and those decks tend to be pretty good, pretty interactive, good decks anyway. So it's on the line for me, but currently in the modern that we're, we have right now, where if they ban, pick any four cards that are currently legal and ban them, unban Splinter Twin, and I think the format's still okay. If they do a mass exodus and they ban like nine cards, maybe we're in a different story, but that's not going to happen. Right. So after this next banning, if they were to unban Splinter Twin at the same time, I actually think the format's totally fine. So like, I, I guess the real question I had, and I don't think I have a good answer for it, is I don't think Splinter Twin is better than Arclight Phoenix. Well, I think like those decks are different, and they're obviously comparable, mostly because they're just blue-red decks, and Arclight Phoenix is more of a mid-range deck versus this, which is a combo control tempo deck, depending on what your mood is. But like, I think Arclight Phoenix is a bad matchup for Splinter Twin. I like you like can't tempo them out. They have the interaction to be able to stop you while they're just getting free three twos into play and drawing way more cards and way more velocity than you. And if that deck is still a tier one deck, which it is now. I don't know how Splinter Twin beats that. Or, if like, I, I, they can beat it, but it's more like, oh, I got lucky and you tapped out the wrong way on my right, right turn. If you're playing Splinter Twin or you're playing Phoenix, and in either case, you get Surgical Extract and you lose all four copies of either card, which one are you still more confident playing after that Surgical Resolves? Phoenix. Yeah, me too. Like, you have Aria Flame, you have uh, Thing in the Ice, you have Young Pyromancer on the sideboard, you have, um, what's the... Drake, you have Drake. Crackling Drake. Crackling Drake. Like, you have all these other cards that are good. Splinter Twin becomes two one flyers and one four walls. I also <laughs> wonder how close a Splinter Twin deck today actually looks in terms of build to a Phoenix deck. Like, I, I wonder I think if you Phoenix, maybe just play both. I wonder if Splinter Twin is actually just a different looking deck today than it was back then. I mean, it's been three years or something, and so many cards have been printed. The format's so much faster. I mean, I think there's a really good argument that you would just, like, cut the Drakes, cut Arya Flame, and just put Splinter Twin in the Phoenix deck, and then just, like, be fine. So that, that is, like, I guess the worst-case scenario, is you have the Cobblade plus Splinter Twin combo era, where they combined the two most powerful decks into one, and you do that here. Yeah. I mean, Splinter Twin decks now would have... 
Force of Negation. They would have the new blue-red Horizon Canopy Land. They would have all these tools that they didn't have back in the day that start to make the... So it's, I think I do stand by what I said, though. If you pick any four cards currently legal and modern and ban them on Bland Splinter at the same time, the format's totally safe. All right, now we're getting into a world of cards I think they just, just unban. <laughs> uh, green Sun Zenith, green X sorcery. Search your library for a green creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Shuffle Green Sun Zenith into its owner's library. Now, this card is higher on the just should be unbanned list, purely with the caveat that Dryad Arbor exists, and if they unban this, they should probably unban Dryad Arbor for two reasons. One, obviously, there's the cheating problem of Dryad Arbor, where like they've gotten rid of it because you have to keep it in front because it's a creature, but still, like there is a way to mistake that you have a creature, and that's problematic. Two, that card gives us the ability to be a Llanowar Elf on turn one and anything else you want later, which is the, the Death Rite Shaman problem. But if you get rid of that issue, this just becomes like comparable to the green finale, comparable to Eldorami's Call, better than those, but not by a large margin. And with those cards in the format, this being banned looks a little silly. I mean, they've since the banning of Greenson Zenith, yeah, we have five more significant creature tutors, right? De depending on how you count. Uh, collected Company. Traverse the Open Wall, Collected Company, the two you just mentioned. There's the new five-mana instant that gets you two creatures end a turn. I mean, there's so many different the things. The worst of those. <laughs> I mean, that card's interesting, though. Sure. Like, in, in, in one world where you get both halves of your combo at the end of their turn, I'm just saying, like, I don't think that Green Sun Zenith is nearly as much of a linchpin to modern as it was at the time they banned it. So I think this is a totally safe unban. All right, this one I think we have a little bit of a disagreement on, but Punishing Fire, red, one, Instant Punishing Fire deals two damage to target creature or player. Uh, whenever an opponent gains life, you may pay red. If you do, return Punishing Fire from your graveyard to their, from your graveyard to your hand. Just unban it. <laughs> what what world are you living in where spending three mana to do two to something in instant speed is good and modern anymore? Doesn't even kill Reflector Mage. Like it, there's just like so many. I, I guess you can kill a Meddling Mage with it. Like the, what what creature deck has something with two toughness? that is afraid of you spending three mana and getting a spell back so, to do it. Yeah, like, there's a weird argument that always happens when you talk about this, and then there's going to be the last card we talk about, which is the card we think that should be unbanned, and a little bit of the GTA conversation, which is, by having this card legal, it makes it so fair. Creature decks have a harder time becoming successful in Modern. The response I have to that is that every other card in Modern makes it impossible for fair creature decks to have a chance in Modern. Now, the and when they do, you have cards like Humans, which are like card decks that are hard to actually even hate out like if humans becomes too powerful what do you ban out of it and i there's nothing like every card is like duplicatable or kind of dumb and just they happen to all have the word human on them so they work in a way that's powerful like if you if i'm playing jund and i can add this to my deck and now my jund deck has like a repeatable way to interact or like a i don't know like some like really grindy engine to close out the game all right fine <laughs> jund is like pretty okay not great right now like it's not a I think I think before Modern Horizons it was had a was on an upswing. I do think it was getting better, but I, I still think like how is this better than anything Blue White can do? Like between Teferi totally. and Narset and like what that deck is doing, how is Jund being able to punishing fire that degenerate? I just think at this point it's completely safe to unban punishing fire. I don't even think it really affects the format. I think you would see the level of the what happened when they unbanned Thopter Found or Sword of the Meek. Sure. That's what would look. That's what this would look like. It, I think, nobody I think like this would see more play because the pieces needed for it are free to add. Like Thopter, Foundry, and Sword of the Meek are bad cards unless you're winning with them. Where like this is a 
fine card, and Jund and other decks are already playing like one fifth weird removal, and then the land, you, you know, Horizon or not Horizon can't. Be, yeah, but then we're also in a world com where this since when this got banned, where Tron has become like one of the staple staple all time decks. Every single sideboarder deck packs ways to interact with lands. Sure. Not just this card, and the fact that you can exile graveyards because graveyards are the best thing you can possibly yeah, do. Yeah. Like both halves of it are so answerable. I think this is. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I just think people would play it. Yeah. But my, my, my point is that it'd be too powerful. It's that just like Thopter Foundry was bad because it was bad by itself. This yeah. is both sides of this card are good. You have a green red fixing land that's one of the best lands in the format, and you have a medium shock. And then yeah. when you have both of them, you have a cool board wipe. That's fair. Uh, next card. Uh, this is considered one of Wizards' greatest mistakes, and we're going to tell everyone that they should unban it. <laughs> These are the artifact lands. Ancient Den, Seed of Cyanide, Vault of Whispers, Great Furnace, Tree of Tales. They all tap for a respective color of magic. Uh, they are artifact lands. That's, that's the main thing that they do. So all the things that count how many artifacts you have require you to have an artifact in play. They let, get, let you do that with the land. Um, in a world where Karn exists and the new oof is tutorable by every green card ever printed, these seem terrible. <laughs> I mean, fully. Like, <laughs> I mean, like you could like the Arc Round Ravager issue is the biggest issue, right? Yeah, but what if you make my affinity deck better by giving me more artifact lands in it? Like, fine, that's okay. Affinity is not a threat. Hardened Scales is a bigger threat, and I guess you get to play four of the green one in Hardened Scales, so now your like Ravager deck is a little better. And, and part of the issue is most of the artifact decks that are good right now and have been good for a long time are more reliant on having the five color lands that they have in play. They have Spire, they have the other one. Glimmer Void. Glimmer Void. And so because of that, their mana is so tight that being able to play with like an artifact land that is a single color is going to be more detrimental to what they're doing than often just playing one of those five color things. Yes, you have the, you know, they're playing the indestructible one and maybe you would cut that for one of these, but the part of that card that says indestructible is really important to why that card is good. Five color artifact grindy decks that are not good enough to play right now would be way more fun if like Artificer's Intuition could get me any color, or like something like that. Like it's there's just not. I understand why in powered formats these have been problems, but at this point in the modern we have, even if you were to ban a bunch of the most powerful stuff that people are doing right now, I still don't think these are going to make the cut and shake things up enough that they're a problem. Mox Opal's live most of the time anyway. It, you don't need these. Right. Like th that's the other thing is like Mox Opal is the other card that's just like I guess it gets whatever percentage above what it currently has to be better. Mox Opal may be a problem with other cards they're playing, but right now they're consistently getting that mana regardless, and this doesn't make it that much easier than they're already getting. The other end is like obviously the, the affinity cards, like those haven't seen play, and part of it having these artifact lands could make them see play. But how is Mer not it's not Mer Superior, what's the big the oh, seven oh, uh, affinity or Frogmite better than Marin, Marin Hollow One or better than Vengevine yeah, yeah. or better than any of the things that people are cheating into play right now. Like affinity getting those seems mediocre at Mycosynth best. and the Golem maybe? Is that the one you're talking yeah, about? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, next card is Preordain. One blue, sorcery, scry two, then draw a card. So we mentioned when we talked about Pondered that we we're going to talk about another blue cantrip that should be unbanned. And this is my pick for that. And there's kind of two sides to it. One is right now... Blue has the worst cantrip <laughs> of the three main play cantrip. Faith is looting. Uh, and Ancient Stirrings. Ancient Stirrings, thank you. And then Serum uh, Visions are opt, depending on how you're feeling. Um, obviously, we talked about Phoenix decks, and this does give a big boost to those, and those are decks that are already good. But I do think that this deck is more powerful in fair decks, where 
Serum Visions is a card that, because of the timing of Scry and when you draw a card, is better for you setting up a combo turn the next turn versus being able to find a key hate card or control card to be able to fight your opponent. Preordain, on the turn you need it, lets you find the card you need to be able to fight off opponents. So for control strategies, is as is more powerful or more helpful for fair decks while being just as powerful as Serum Visions for any combo deck. It's also nice that it's also nice that while Serum Visions does not get you the card, but the Scry two after does set up a Delver. This kind of gets you the best of both worlds. Right. You can get the thing you need, the turn you need it, or you can also leave the thing you need to flip your Delver, which makes that card and that strategy a little bit more playable in Modern. Whereas I think right now Delver is, would you argue, completely unplayable in Modern? Yeah, it has been. I mean, for, like, for like well, so there's, at least that's a like year. debatable because really Arc Lake Phoenix is just the better Delver. And yeah, I think right, Delver, right, right. the card, is unplayable, but the strategy is good. Um, Fair. And part of that is like, in Legacy, they have Wasteland. They have Force of Will. They have Days. They have things that take advantage of having a 3 2 1 1 or a 3-2 flyer on turn one that modern doesn't need and doesn't have access to to be able to protect it. Same reason the goblins, the classic goblin style with Goblin Lackey and Aether Vials is never going to be that deck because right. without Wasteland and without cards that tap your, mana, your opponent's mana down, you aren't really taking advantage of getting the free spells you would get off of Lackey or Aether Vial. Right. And so like it's a similar situation where those are really Wasteland decks that like take advantage of that card in different ways than they are necessarily Goblin or Delver decks. So this now, is pretty high on our list of could be unbanned. Like this, this is, is the almost to, Yeah, and, and part of it is there's another conversation of like is stirring or not ancient stirrings and faithless looting good for the format. And we'll talk about that. And if they are not, then this should not be unbanned. But with those cards legal, it's laughable that this is banned. We're going to do one more card on this list. Then we're going to talk about the cards that are currently legal that we think could be banned. And we're going to end the show with a Q&A with you guys. Any questions you have? I think, so I think because there's no mic in the audience, I think the easiest way to do the Q&A would probably actually be for people to tweet at questions at us on Twitter. And that way we can read them out loud. I think that or, or, that that or somebody can ask us. and we can just repeat the question. Or could that might be handed to people? Probably, I'm guessing. Maybe at some point. We'll figure yeah, that we'll out. We'll figure All it right. out. Next card. Stoneforge Mystic. One white, one colorless creature core artificer. When Stoneforge Mystic enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an equipment card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. One and white, tap it. You may put an equipment card from your hand onto the battlefield. It's a one-two. And This has looked laughable since Colagon's command got printed. Stoneforge Mystic has been the most talked about unban... Ever? It's, Probably. It's fun to look at its price graph. Right. Where Every time you literally see, like, yeah. right before an unbanning announcement, it goes up and then drops. And then right before an unbanning announcement, it goes up and then drops. Because eventually, this card, I think, is probably the most requested card to be unbanned, other than maybe the meme that is a Splinter Twin conversation. Um, once again, this is going back at, like, oh, fair creature decks would be hated out by the fact that a turn three batter skull happens in modern. Currently, <laughs> turn three is the turn you lose from other strategies, so I don't like. And like, you know, Amforth wrote a big article about how uh, blue white decks were one of the best decks last year. And so, with that in mind, do we really want to print a card that's classically one of the best decks in that strategy, cards in that type of strategy in Legacy and in, in Standard? And then they printed Teferi, and then they printed Narset. <laughs> if you it like it, the way I look at it right now. If you cast a Stoneforge Mystic and you search up your Batter Skull and you're in blue-white control and you pass the turn back to me and then I bolt your Stoneforge Mystic and I'm like, that Batter Skull is going to die in your hand. The game's going to be over in like two turns probably right. because that's the deck I'm playing at this point because that's what Modern is. You don't get to hard cast a Batter Skull. Maybe, maybe blue-white control, but if they're doing that, they would win with whatever was in their hand at that point. It doesn't right. have to be the Batter Skull. Like, th there's just nothing about this. It even makes the swords less cool. Like, the two swords that just got printed won't see play in Modern unless this is legal. That's actually so on the other end. 
I think it's possible that those are a plant that Stoneforge Mystic will be unbanned. I okay. think like they've heard that message. I think that by putting those cards in Modern Horizons, they're making the statement that like we get it, we want cards like these to be able to be see, see play. And Stoneforge Mystic is the best way for that to happen. And so I can see them just, that's a plan leading up to it being unbanned so that you have access to those cards. So that is the last card, the card that we think is safest to unban in Modern. Uh, I think Modern is going to have a major shakeup with its ban list probably in the next few months. Uh, so it'll be curious to see what it looks like then. But now we're getting to the second part of the conversation, which is all of the offenders that are on people's lists. And this isn't ranked in any way. We just have a list of cards that people often talk about as could be or should be banned. And we're really just going to kind of go in and what's the likelihood of this happening. And there's kind of two sides of the conversation. Again, there's the current degeneracy of the format, and we have those cards here. And then there is also the... Um, Classically, these are cards that are always talked about. This first card being a great example of that, which is Mox Opal. So zero mana, legendary artifact, has metal craft. You can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Activate this ability only if you control three or more artifacts. Every artifact strategy ever has played this card. Now there's an argument to be made that those strategies are just, artifact strategies will always be powerful, and this card just should be in them, not necessarily that this is making those strategies powerful. And I tend to agree with that. Well, so... I. I is the next card on the list Simeon Spirit Guide or not? Yes, it is. So, so let's, let's, let's loop these together because the conversation here becomes, is Modern a better format when you have hoops you can jump through to get to two mana on turn one? And I think the answer is probably no, but it's a little bit of what the format's been for a very long time now. These cards have been legal forever, and they've been on they've, we've had conversations about banning them, but I don't know that these are really the problem. Like, if you were to ban these cards, but say not ban the other things that we just talked about... right. Or, or some of the most powerful newer things, those strategies aren't even necessarily reliant on these cards. That's, these aren't really the problem with Modern. I think the problem with Modern is card interactions and such a depth of creativity that like goes way, way, way beyond the interactions they intended. Well, and I think, let me read Simeon Spirit Guide for the people who are just listening at home. Uh, two and a red, Ape Spirit, Exile Simeon Spirit Guide for your hand, add red to your mana pool. It's a 2-2 two -two that's not really that relevant. Uh, sometimes you cast it. I've cast a Simeon Spirit Guide. Have you cast a Simeon Spirit Guide? Uh, like actually the the ape, like actually hard casted Simeon Spirit and guide. attacked with it. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Uh, Have I, you ever won attacking with a two two Spirit Guide? I've won blocking with it. Yeah, it's fair. Like survive <laughs> a turn, then go off with the other Simeon Spirit Guide. Um, what if they but, start? What if they start going into ape tribal? I would love that. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah More pig tribal, ape tribal, unicorn tribal. The fact that there's like no good unicorn lord in a fantasy game seems laughable to me. The fact that we've been doing the podcast for an hour and you haven't mentioned bear tribal once blows my mind. I, I'm <laughs> not here for bear tribal. I'm here for uh, Eula's the enchantment. Yes. Bear fair. assault. Uh, but I think between Simeon Spirit Guide and Mox Opal, Simeon Spirit Guide is a much more problematic card. Because the, the other one, it's still tied to this base that you need to have. Like, I, I've tried putting Mox Opal into just, like, brews, like, artifact-heavy brews that I think are cool, and it's not consistent enough to get me to two mana on turn one. You really have to be playing it in these, like, tried-and-true cores that have worked for a long time. Right, like, like, the requirements of getting artifact metalcraft means you have to be doing that thing. And there's yeah. different ways to do that thing, be it making a bunch of aggressive creatures that are artifact-themed, be it making a bunch of artifact sacking loops, making a bunch of lantern-themed bobbles, but... All of those are like doing the thing right. versus Simeon Spirit Guide. You need to be able to use red mana to win with Lightning Storm <laughs> or like be able to put blooms into play on turn one so you can get, you know, bloom online. Like it just is more just free red mana no matter what you're doing with zero cost to the deck building requirements has a more likely chance to become problematic. These both feel lukewarm to me. I don't I don't feel like these need to be banned. Oh, yeah. Right now, I don't think either of them yeah. do. 
Uh, next card. And this a is little, a big one. Yeah. Faithless Looting. So this is one red, draw two cards, then discard two cards, flashback, two and a red. I would be really sad if this card so was banned. So I. I think like all of the strategies made possible by this is really strong. And the problems with the decks that are using it are more often at fault for more powerful versions of cards that they should have than necessarily this card is to get them into the graveyard. That being said, if I were to pick like a card to ban, and if I wanted to try and fix as many problems as I currently have in Modern right now, this is the card. So I think when we had Jerry Thompson on the show for the second time, which was probably after he played Mardu Pyromancer at a second place of that Pro Tour, he, t he got second place, right? I'm not making that up. Jerry Thompson didn't win the Pro Tour with Mardu. I hope I'm right. <laughs> Jerry, if you won the Pro Tour, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, Faithless Looting, I remember he talked about on that show at that time that, yes, it's a very specific card that works to dump things into your graveyard. You know, in that deck, he was playing it with Lingering Souls and things like that. But he was just like, it's just really good. More people should just be playing it just as a card in decks. It's like right. the card disadvantage is less of a problem considering the card selection you're getting. Now you start to add in the fact that the way this pairs with Dredge, the way that this fixes your hand and dumps the things that you intentionally want into your graveyard. I mean, this is probably a problem card in at least 30% of the problem decks in modern, right? Sure. Right? Like, it's a huge problem in, in the Dredge of Vine lists, in regular Dredge lists, in Arclight Phoenix decks. There hasn't been a deck that, deck that has been not Sorry, that sentence wasn't working. There hasn't been a deck that was not complained about this year that didn't run either four Faithless Looting or four Ancient Stirrings. Ancient Stirrings, right. <laughs> yeah, the, I, we talked about that's the, like three years. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned this, but you can look up a graph somewhere. Maybe it's on MTG Goldfish of the most played cards in like the last two years in Modern or like all time. They're like almost all one mana instants or sorceries. Almost every single one of them. And Noble Hierarch. And Noble Hierarch, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like all one CMC spells. Um, what's interesting, though, is it used to be the removal. It used to be Thoughtseize slash Inquisition of Kozilek, Lightning, Lightning Bolt. Bolt, Path, yeah. um, Fatal Push, and Noble Hierarch. Now it's Ancient Stirrings, Faithless Looting, these engine cards, uh, Surgical Extraction. Right. Um, so would you ban Faithless Looting? No, there's other cards I'd rather see banned. I, I like the way Faithless Looting interacts with a lot of the decks that it interacts with. Now, if you can't fix those decks by banning three or four cards, maybe. But right. it, it, I agree with you. It would make me sad. I don't want it to be banned. I can see Wizards just being like, you know what? Now's the time. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Altar of Dementia. Two mana artifact. Sacrifice a creature. Target player puts the number of cards equal to sacrifice creature's power from the top of his or her library into his or her graveyard. For those who don't know, this is the new engine card in the Hogak decks. This is probably the biggest problem in those decks. There's an argument. We'll get to that card later of which card I think they're likely to ban from a this card is weird and should just not be legal perspective, especially because this was brand new, printed in Modern Horizons. It's brand new, yeah. I mean, I, you obviously don't want to axe the new toys, but unfortunately, that's going to have to happen with some of the stuff they just printed. Um, Modern hasn't had uh, like a like a very good sack outlet that is not a creature that you could play for cheap in any color. It has had Viscerous here. Yeah, it's had Viscerous here. Like anybody that's ever trying to do it. So now we have Carry and Feeder, but we also got this at the same time, and so we don't have Goblin, Goblin Bombardment in Modern. We have this colorless spell, and the way that this interacts with the power obviously is really good with Hogak and that particular interaction but if it's not that I still think this is probably going to create problems down the line there's sure. just enough things that you can do that are loops it's a piece of a combo because of the way that it interacts with creatures that's hard to interact with because it's not a creature itself sure um, we'll see how they want to handle the Hogak deck because here's the thing one of the listeners of our show on the live stream I did the other night on our YouTube channel submitted a, a deck that he, he had come together. It was basically just the Dredgevine deck, except didn't have Altar, and it didn't have uh, the other thing they're doing that's not a, whatever, I can't remember. But it was basically a Vengevine deck, right, with Hogak as a two of. Sure. It was just attacking. 
it was still really good. It was still a really powerful deck that did right. all the same things without having a gigantic combo. So I'm not really sure necessarily if you were to get rid of this and you weren't winning with the Hogak combo win that that deck is still not just a huge problem. Like, like you had Stitcher Supply, you had Gravecrawler, you had Carrion Feeder that's also a zombie. There's the weird zombie shell on top of the fact that you have the Vengevine uh, Hogak shell and then on top of that you have the Alter Dimension combo win with um, Bridge from Below. Uh, nice. Bridge from Below. It. Nice. <laughs> right. Live podcast. Got it right. Uh, I'm, I've not messed up on so many words. I messed I think, that sentence up, I think though. one of the things about when you look at modern and the history and the progression of the decks, it's like, it's a trickle-down effect, right? So it's not that they print a bunch of cards all at once that make one deck go from obscurity to being great. It's a little bit at a time. It's Stitcher Supplier, at the, you know, Insolent Neonate, followed by a Hogak, followed by the reprinting of a Carrion Feeder, and then an Ultra of Dementia. And one by one, each of these cards start to just add together, where it's right. like, if you get rid of one of those cards... The deck is still probably good. The strategy is still probably sound. Well, and that's so that's kind of the other thing with Faithless Looting that I didn't mention is that if you banned Faithless Looting, decks just play Insolent Neonite. Decks just play Cathartic Reunion. There's like other cards that like pretty much take that slot that are as good or close to as good and sometimes better. Like Insolent Neonite might just be better than Faithless Looting in this deck because you get the sacrifice trigger off of it for getting the trigger on Vengevine to put it in the play and getting the trigger on uh, Bridge from Below. Right. Uh, next card is Allosaurus Rider. Five green green. Elf Warrior. You may exile two creature cards from your hand rather than pay Allosaurus Rider's mana cost. Allosaurus Rider's power and toughness are each equal to one, plus the number of lands you control. Free spells are bad. <laughs> this is the this is the green card in the cycle of Soul Spike that I was talking about. And Fury sure. of the Horde. Okay. Um, Allosaurus Rider, like, it seems like years ago the Neoform deck was the unfair deck we wanted to ban. Right. Well, like, <laughs> the like third host of our ago. podcast who's not able to make it, um, he has established <laughs> that Cold Snap should have never been printed. <laughs> right, yeah, he doesn't like it. None of those cards are really worth it. But, uh, I mean, the, so for people don't know, this combos with Neoform to be able to put Grizzlebrand into play on turn one. Oh, yeah. Neoform and Simeon Spirit Guide to put it on turn one and then turn two without that. Um, and then you're able to... Take that with uh, the green shoal, which lets you exile green cards from your hand that are big to gain seven life, to then keep drawing it's, seven cards with. It's Grizzle a riff Brand. on. The, it's like a riff on the Grishel Brand deck. Yeah. It's and, like just and then doing you something. eventually draw your whole deck and play Lightning Storm to kill somebody. Yeah, I think um, here's a good here's a good one for you. It's a piece of trivia. Let's we'll see if Alex knows this. I know you know four of the free cards from this cycle because they've all been played at one point or another in modern. We just named all four of them. Yeah. Do you know the white one? No. I think it's called Sunscour? Soul Scour? Sure. It's a Wrath, I think. Does anybody confirm this? I think it's a stupid Wrath. Right, yeah, there you go. You can exile like two white cards to free Wrath, and I think it costs like seven or nine. Okay. It's very bad. All right, moving cool. on. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, what's interesting about this card and the next card is also the weird evolution moment we're in in modern. You know, we got War of the Spark, one of the most powerful sets since New Phyrexia. If not, you know, people are saying most powerful sets since Urza's block. Um, followed by Modern Horizon, which also is one of the most powerful sets ever printed. And so it's been in flux twice. Four weeks ago, this was the problem card. This is the card everyone was talking about. Now it's all of the Ultra Dementia cards and all of the, you know, the, the other Modern Horizons cards. So this is like, do they ban Modern Horizons cards into banning War of the Spark cards later? Or do they do it all at once? And that's, I think, really the question with him, uh, with Alice I, I almost would rather see, like, when is the next ban and restricted announcement? Like a month or two? No, we haven't had the second one after the, the there's a mythic championship there's a post -mythic? and then there's a post mythic. So okay, so we have one coming up pretty soon here. I almost want to see the format stay for like a month or two to like just let it live, but maybe maybe we can't. Wait until the post 
corset banning announcement Maybe. versus the pre-corset. I mean, like, the, literally, the Hogak deck has been alive for, like, 10 days or something. Sure. You know? Uh, next card is Karn the Great Creator. Four colorless mana, legendary planeswalker Karn. Activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated. Plus one until your next turn. Up to one target non-creature artifact becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness, each equal to its converted mana cost. Uh, you may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game or in exile. Reveal the card and put it into your hand as a minus two ability. Um, in general, I think wish cards should just not ever be printed again on a different rant, on a more key one. The problem with this card is it's colorless. Right. It's not that expensive. And it has multiple different ways to lock people out of the game. The classic one being with Mycosynth Lattice. So with its ability, if you have a Mycosynth Lattice in play, your opponent's lands no longer work. Uh, they no longer can tap for mana. The only thing they can do is attack with creatures, because um, that's not an activated ability. Um, the other, like, this just hates on cards generically. So like the front end is just kind of okay. Like having a Stony Silence in your main deck is fine. The fact that most decks are playing it before the Hogak deck came out, there was like six different archetypes all playing main deck Karns to find all of the hate cards you could ever want with a game lock in the in the format. I, I mean, a four mana colorless Stony Silence that's also a Planeswalker is. Pretty good card to be playing because um, yeah. Stony Silence is just generally good anyway. I think the thing that's really scary about this is in the Tron deck, when you play this and you put the Micah's Lattice into your hand, when you hit the, your 10th mana and you just play it and you win, that's great. If you do it all in one turn, terrific. Great turn four. If you play this and get the Micah's Lattice and yes, like maybe you don't have Tron and it takes you two turns to do it, but they don't interact with you, it's extremely executable and you don't need 10 mana. It's just a thing you can do. Sure. Like, and, and I know modern's really fast, and I know that like maybe getting to that point is not going to happen in every game. But that's not fun magic if that happens to you. If you're close to winning and they stop you from playing the rest of the game, it's the same reason that I hate Blood Moon. Like, right. Well, and separate yourself even from the Mycosynthlatus contest. Like, if you are at a point where you don't have enough mana for that combo, you can get one of the other 12 artifact hate cards that shut down most strategies. You can right. get a Graph Digger's Gate to shut down a Hogak. You can get a... Um, dampening Spear to shut down the opposing Tron deck. You, like, there's so many different pieces you can get that, like, even if you don't have the mana to go off, like, this is just so versatile and powerful. And I honestly think the biggest issue is that it's colorless. Like, if this was a green card, then I think it would be much more fine because you would have to have it in different color decks. This will have a problem that uh, Thopter Sword had in, in Standard where you were just wrong if all every deck wasn't playing that card. I think that this is pretty high on my list of cards that will see a banning. I, this feels like in the top. It does top a lot few. of things that look yeah. bad for it. Yeah. Next card is Teferi Time Raveler. One blue white legendary planeswalker Teferi. Each opponent can cast spells only any time they can cast a sorcery. Until your next turn, you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash as a plus one. And the minus three return up to one target artifact creature or enchantment to its owner's hand to draw a card. It's uh, four loyalty planeswalker. I think this card is fine. I know a lot of people want this card. Like, are, this is in the conversation of cards that it's worth being banned. I actually think Narset's probably worse when we get to Narset. Um, I do think that it is a rel like. We've already established that m mana wars that have abilities attached to them are really good. Like Jace right. the Mind Sculptor is really good for that reason. Uh, this also has a lot of like just locking your opponent out of the game effects and can combo with cards to lock them out. Though those generally aren't that powerful compared to other things you could just be doing with it that are powerful. Yeah, I mean, I think so. To plus to make your Thoughtseize be able to take their card at instant speed is strong. Sure. That's a really good thing, and, and a lot of the control decks that are doing that can do that. The fact that, you know, when you Spell Queller their spell, and then they kill Spell Queller, it doesn't come into play. Also sucks for them. Right. Um, there's a lot of things that this card does that are not super fun to play against. 
I don't think this one will be banned. I don't sure. think that in the conversation of cards that have to go, this will be the one that's got to go. But it's going to make blue-white control better for a long time. I, this is this is the card more than any other one that makes me sad that Stoneforge Mystic wasn't unbanned because blue-white was too good because it was then this came right out after that and it was like, well, if you think blue-white is a problem, <laughs> right, right. why keep... And like, let just Stoneforge Mystic be free and Teferi and them can hang out. Uh, next card is the Tron Lands. This is Urza's Power Plant, Urza's Mine, and Urza's Tower. There's a lot of text here, but basically if you control all three, you may tap them for seven mana. Otherwise, they all tap for one. Uh, Urza's Tower taps for three mana versus two. The other ones tap for two. Um, Do you think they need to be banned or not? I mean, straight up, just yes or no? No. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I think my life would be better if they were. That was a tepid no. <laughs> yeah. I think that they're always just going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, they're th not. And the problem with them is also like, they are a deck that is very difficult to win a pro tour or a GP with, right? Right. Like they are not because of just how they interact with aggressive decks or decks that are you know a field as wide and diverse as modern is. They often will run into problems, but every FNM is like just filled with these decks, every kind of like major tournament, every middle level thing, and, and they're relatively miserable to play against, and then when they're too powerful, they're just very powerful. I don't think the Tron lands are too powerful. I think the Tron lands are a totally fine piece of the format. They're the best ramp thing you can be doing, and the fact that you're so beholden to... You're still beholden to one style of deck if you're playing these. These have never shown up other that's than El Eldrazi Tron is the, is the only version of these cards that we've ever seen that's not just like that same sort of well, style. Well, but you know, there's black green Tron, there's white Tron, there, or no, there's white green Tron, black Different green colors, Tron, blue they're Tron. They're still all doing something similar. They're all playing giant colorless spells off of these sure. lands. Like that's that's and so Eldrazi Tron was a little more aggressive, and you could play things like Thought Not Seer, and you would play things like Walking Ballista, and sure, right. So like that's the but like again, we haven't really seen it pushed much beyond that. You know what you're getting if you're playing against the Tron deck. There are ways to interact with it. There's ways to hate it out. That's why it doesn't win Pro Tours. Sure, I think they're okay. I think maybe some of the cards that make it easier to assemble Tron should be looked at, but the actual lands themselves, I don't think you need to kill. Yeah, and and I think. Some of the seven drops that are colorless that are printed. And I think Wizards is realizing that, right? Like, we've just, for the last two sets, have seen a much larger increase in colored artifacts. And that is because they've realized that just colorless things are problematic. Right. And Karn is a great example of that. All of them. <laughs> um, and so... Them pulling away from that design space and then answering what's out there right now is maybe a better way of doing, dealing yeah. with it. Um, next card, speaking of which, uh, Ancient Stirrings. One green sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a colors card from among them and put it into your hand, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. I think if you were going to ban one of the two unfair one-mana cantrips, I, would, I think you should ban Faithless Looting if you were going to ban one of them. Do you think Ancient Stirrings need to be banned? Yes. It, you do. Well, uh, At one if, time, it seemed... If Faithless Looting needs to be banned, Ancient Storing needs to be banned. I don't feel it as much as I used to feel with Ancient Storing. I was did a it short... three weeks ago. Like, yes, right now, Hogak's back. And before three weeks ago, there was Arclay Phoenix. But there was a big window... Yeah, long one. ...where... Not a long one, but, like, Karn was around. And then before that, you have Amulet decks. You had, um, obviously, all the Tron decks. But then you had, you know, KCI. Lantern Control. All these decks are decks. Now, there's an argument that maybe it's healthy that all these type of strategies are, are exciting. And that's kind of where, on all of these, I think we should just let them live. Like, I'd rather have cards banned out of decks that are specific than get rid of Faithless Looting and negate six decks at once. You don't want to make the format unfun or take away cards that allow you to put together interesting things. But I think the question you have to ask yourself with this is, 
Why does green have the best cantrip in the format? That's that's more like, my statement. Like green shouldn't have the best cantrip. Blue should have the best cantrip. Unbanned preordain. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Narset part of the veils. One blue blue. Legendary planeswalker Narset. Each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. You may minus two to look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature non-land card from among them, or non-creature non-land card from among them, and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. It's a five loyalty planeswalker, so it doesn't tick up. You just minus twice. Um, this has three reasons to me. One, from a power level perspective, obviously the combo is with stuff like Days Undoing or Teferi's Puzzle Box is the big one. So that is an artifact that lets you, every turn your opponent draws new cards, puts their deck into the play. But so because they, they can't draw more than one card, they lose their whole hand and they stop playing the game. Um, so there's that. So that's an, a very powerful combo. I don't think this is something that would be banned right now because I don't think it's too powerful, but I think this is something to keep an eye on. The other issue I have with it, and this is just in communication with whatever judges I've talked to, there is so many rooms to make mistakes on these like Planeswalker with static abilities that stop your opponents from doing stuff. The amount of extra card violations that people have gotten because this card exists because they like forget while they're drawing off of Serum random visions. effects that like they can't do it because Narset's in play has created kind of a nightmare even on that side of things where then you know you you do the violation then you have to talk to the head judge there's this whole process and it's like the same thing that's happened 12 times in the same tournament that i think is more of the issue with this card not more of the issue i think the, it, it is also very powerful and probably too powerful in an unfun way but add to the fact that there's like a tournament organization issue to it on top of that makes it very suspect to me to stay legal for the long run yeah, I mean, the the level of power on a Planeswalker versus a 2 versus a 3 versus a 4 is obviously very noted. And the fact that this costs 3, I mean, the, the minus 2 ability is fine, obviously. It's, it's, it's nice it's value to get. Search Kanta, like, that's a very yeah. good card. <laughs> it's a nice ability to get. Um, but the fact that you can play this in a blue deck, and it's not the linchpin card in your deck, and you don't even have to really, like, design. You don't have to play a puzzle box or any of these other things. This is just a Planeswalker that sits on the battlefield, and they can't cast Serum Visions, and they can't cast Faithless Looting, right. and they can't do any of the things well, they that they can. Most they just discard swole. cards, they don't draw them. <laughs> right. Like, it's just, it's a really, really efficient, really strong effect that stops your opponent from doing most of what they're doing, and it doesn't cost you very much to play it. Right. And it, w one interesting thing is, I, with the static ability on Planeswalkers, I think the big lesson past that, hopefully, that was taken was all of the things that benefit your board are cool. I love the static ability Planeswalkers in general. Things that you have to pay attention to when you're doing stuff is, is great. It's when they stop your opponent from doing stuff is when people tumble. When you have the Tamiyo ability or you have this ability where they like then kind of wreck themselves because they're not paying attention to the six different things that are in play was maybe just a step a little too far. Yeah, I agree. Um... This is my pick for probably the most likely card to get banned out of the Hogak decks. It's like the weirdest one. It's a dumb future sight card. Black, 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 bridge from below. Enchantment, whenever a non-token creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, if bridge from below is in your graveyard, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Whenever a creature is put into an opponent's graveyard from the battlefield, if bridge from below is in your graveyard, exile bridge, bridge from below. So it's like a little bit of a, meant to have been a like even effect where if their creatures die, you lose this. If your creatures die, you gain two two zombies. It's been one of the engine cards in Dredge for years. This was printed originally in Future Sight along with a lot of the weirdest cards that have the weirdest text. Um, there's tons and tons and tons of them that over the years have had to get banned or have just like they've never repeated the ability because Future Sight was trying to be as strange as possible. If you ban this card, obviously things like Grafdigger's Cage or like Zillid Jailer, right? Like they become way, way more effective. Well, if, you, um, if we don't 
I guess Jailer just James generally. Jailer is good at hating this card. That's like an underrated hate card right now. Grafdigger's Cage is weakness right now is the fact that this ignores that as an yeah. effect in the Hogak decks. Now, this is the card that classically, like Dredge has classically been referred to this way, but you're not actually playing Magic the Gathering. You're playing some other game, and right. then your opponent's trying to play Magic against you. And this card doesn't work the way a Magic card should work, which is why I can see it being a card just like, you know what, this has been a problem forever. Let's get rid of it. Now I don't have to think about this card ever right. again. There's only one type of strategy that's ever going to take advantage of it, and it's not going to be good for Magic. All the cards we've, we're going to talk about from those decks are good in other types of decks. This is the one that's not. Fair. And My boy Hogak, Arisen Necropolis, five colorless mana, and then two black-green hybrid mana, legendary creature avatar. You can't spend mana to cast this spell, but it has Convoke and Delve. You may cast Hogak, Arisen Necropolis, from your graveyard. It has Trample. It's an 8-8. Eight -eight. Uh, for those who don't know the way Convoke and Delve work is you can exile cards from your graveyard to lower its mana cost, and then you can tap creatures to pay for the colored half of its mana cost making it free. This is one of the big engine cards out of the new Dredgevine lists. I don't, this card is obviously very good and very powerful and has given that deck strategy a big bump. I think that if they, this card's going to be around for a while. It doesn't seem to make sense to have to ban this card. Um, it's obviously good, and jumping through the hoops to get it in play is cool. On the other hand, it has Delve. I mean, they printed two cards in Horizons with Delve, right? The red spell and this? Or is there a third one I'm forgetting? That's it. And the red spell is exactly the kind of delve spell that you would expect. This card, obviously, they wanted to be splashy. They wanted it to be fun and cool. And immediately, it's a problem <laughs> for all the reasons the delve cards always are problems. But, but, I, like, I, so, so like, but in that deck, I would say Gravecaller is more degenerate. Venge, uh, uh, Bloodgast is a more degenerate card. Yeah. Obviously, Alter is a more degenerate card. Faith of Swimming is a more degenerate card. Like This card is powerful and is very good and is comboing with these cards in a very powerful way and is part of this new strategy. But it in itself, is just a big 8-8 eight eight that you can get into play for really cheap. And that's yep. really good, and maybe one day it'll be too good, but like those other cards seem much more problematic. I, th I think that's fair. I think that's fair, yeah. I, I don't think you need to ban Hogak. I think a card will be banned out of this deck, but it's not Hogak. Next up, we have Creeping Chill. Black 3, Sorcery. Creeping Chill deals 3 damage to each opponent. You gain 3 life. When Creeping Chill is put into your graveyard from your library, you may exile it. If you do, Creeping Chill deals 3 damage to each opponent, and you gain 3 life. This is another card that is not an actual magic card. It's some other type of card. I uh, mean, the problem with <laughs> Creeping Chill, really, is that... Because when we did our set review on this card, we looked at it, and you said, this will be in Dredge, this will get played, this will be significant. Right. But the problem is, when you actually play against it, and the game goes even more than, like, three turns, and they end up gaining nine life off of this, and you lose nine life, and, like, they haven't really done anything for it. It's just built into their deck. I mean, like, especially with the Horizon Lands leaning modern more and more towards a 12-life format versus before where it was a 15-life format. Yeah. Like, just dredging four of these wins you the game. So, like, not to mention just having to attack with a blood gas twice to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty, it's pretty simple, but uh, playing against this in the dredge matchups, I'm always surprised at how much work it does, but it just does an enormous amount of work, and it just feels... It just feels gross. Like I, it, I, think, I think one of the reasons it's on our list to begin with is it's more to show... You know, Hogak isn't like, there has been so many powerful graveyard strategies printed in individual cards. It's not Faithless Looting. It's just all of these pieces getting put around it. Faithless Looting has been legal in modern since the beginning of the format. And yes, you know, we've learned that it's probably good just in regular, like regular strategies that aren't trying to do generic things. But they've also printed a bunch of cards that are just very powerful from the graveyard or with putting cards into your graveyard strategies. And this one is one of them. Um... 
Dryad Arbor, we already talked about this card. This is only on the list if they unban Green Sun Zenith. Right. This would, you, could, you could, if you unban Green Sun, you would ban Dryad Arbor. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. So in the not... Excel file we gave them that had this, that had parentheses around it, and more was just so the card was available. Next card. Uh, expedition map. One colorless artifact. Two mana. The tap it. Sacrifice expedition map. Search your library for a land card. Reveal it and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. So expedition map. We were just talking about Tron a second ago. And one of the things I mentioned the cards that allows it allows you to assemble the Tron lands a little easier than just the Tron lands themselves. Because yeah, we I've natural Tron before and it's great when you get a turn three Karn and, and that's really exciting. But when you expedition map into it on turn three, it does make you realize that if you're not interacting with it, that's just a powerful thing that you're going to lose the game to. Sure. There's not a lot of ways to do it. Um, you know, this and Sylvan Scrying are really the two main ways that Modern has for that. Right. You know, Legacy has crop rotation, which we don't want in Modern, but I, I don't know. This is like right on the edge. If you wanted to make Tron weaker, other than getting rid of Karn, four mana Karn. Or getting rid of Tron, yeah. This would be the card, in my I, opinion. I think the fact that this allows Tron to be any color is really, I agree on exactly. that. Like, at least Serum Visions forces them to be in green and to play with lands that are bad at assembling ancient Tron. Ancient Stirrings, you mean Ancient Stirrings. Sorry, Ancient Stirrings, yeah. what did I say? Serum Visions. Oh, cool, yeah, Ancient Stirrings. This card allows them to just be a colorless deck. Like, there are colorless Tron decks that can just play this. I go back and forth, yeah. I know, because you want to be able to play five colors. You want to say, okay, I like White Tron, I like Blue Tron. Like, it's cool. On the other hand... It's a lands-driven deck. It should be having to play a green card to right. get its lands. That's well, what the green does. The fact that this can get Tron off of Tron lands without having to draw any non-Tron lands is, I think, where its biggest yeah, issue is. I agree. And this is, I think, more our selection of a card that would be cute to get rid of, not necessarily... This won't get banned. This yeah, I don't think it'll get banned. Yeah, not even close. <laughs> um, that is the last card. That is the last card on the discussion of uh, cards that should be banned versus cards that are banned. Uh, we're going to do a Q&A right now. Well, yeah, I guess, so, I guess the big question is, is there a card that you think could or should be banned? Oh, we have a mic. and a, Cool. This is going to work. So if you guys want to do a Q&A, I think probably the way to do it is maybe just come up to the center here, or we have a uh, gentleman handing the mic here. Or he's, he's handling it back there, so I think that's the line. Okay, yeah, so over here by the camera. So name, favorite, or the modern deck you play, and then what your question, and then what card you would ban if you could ban any card. <laughs> or actually, unban. Actually, it's... The opposite. I play fish and elves, um, and it's vile and finale devastation because I they are dangerous cards. Be a little closer. It's a little hard. Oh. Yep. Finale devastation and vile, and I play fish and elves. I'm just wondering if those are going to get banned. Do you think? Finale of devastation and aether vile. Vile will not get banned. Um, vile is a good thing for the format. Right. So if I understand correctly, we're saying that you play elves and merfolk. And, and you want to know if aether vile and or finale of devastation, the green finale, are going to be banned? Neither of them. Not for a while. <laughs> yeah, it seems extremely unlikely. And uh, They want Aethervile decks to be good. There's a reason they're printing every cool goblin under the sun other than Goblin Lackey. Um, they just gave us 25 new slivers. And so, I, yeah, I think that's for sure safe. And Eldorami's Call and Finale both being printed makes it feel like they want green creature decks to be able to do that kind of thing. Yeah, we I think, think so. Green should be unbanned, and that card's better than both of those. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, next. Um, you use the term of art here, which is a fair deck. Yeah. What is a fair deck? Fair oh. decks generally refer to decks that are uh, trying to attack you with creatures on curve. They're playing maybe a two-drop creature on turn two or a two-drop on turn three. They're interacting in ways that you're getting the rate that's printed on the card, right? So, like, Jund is a fair deck versus Dredge is not because Creeping Chill and Bridge from Below and all these things where you're playing with 25 cards in your graveyard at triggers, that's not, like magic as it's intended. That's like manipulation of a bunch of weird techniques together. There, to there are decks beyond. that are interacting with you on a level where they are not 
cheating rules of magic history. They're not cheating on mana in ways that are, are generally not accounted for. They're not putting so many, they're not drawing 12 cards into their graveyard every turn. They're doing things that are kind of just what magic is supposed to be versus using loopholes or ways to break the format to do things that are unfair. When we talked about uh, Blazing Shoal and the, and the 10 mana cards that are all colors, the idea that you would be exiling a 10 mana creature like Progenitus to power a Blazing Shoal to put on an infect creature, that's not the way it was intended, right? That's a weird interaction that's taking advantage of all these things. That's unfair. Versus uh, if I thought it's easy on turn one and I play a Dark Confident on turn two and a Liliana on turn three, it's still powerful. It's just fair magic. Uh, my name is David. I play elves. Woo! Uh, yeah. I was wondering if there's any chance of uh, getting Deathrite Shaman unbanned or giving it the Force of Negation treatment like Force of Will was done in uh, Modern Horizons. So, so, like, Force of Negation treatment being like, it's a 1-1, one, one, or it can only make colorless mana. Like they or... just did with Mother of Runes, basically. Yeah, yeah. That kind um, of thing. I think that's definitely possible. Uh, I think... Like, we've talked about if Death Ray Shaman was a two-drop, would that be playable? And I don't think it would be. So, like, that card could just be printed. I think they would probably not put it in black ever again. I think that was a mistake in general. You said Death Ray Shaman or... Oh, oh yeah. now uh, I'm banning it. Now, yeah. we talked about that earlier. Uh, he is on the belief that they shouldn't unban it. I was under the belief that they could, especially since it currently fights the format in a way that is needed of being fighted on. It is a graveyard hate card in a format that is being overrun by graveyard decks. So on that level, it, like, it is a good answer for those. Does it create problems, though, where like Arclight Phoenix is now playing for Deathrite Shaman just because it can? It's and not I think too far from the line. Like I think, honestly, with the format as it is now, because we know they're not going to ban 12 cards... It's possible the unbanning of a couple powerful things is a necessary evil, but I would still lean against Deathrite Shaman, personally. It, its power level is also, like, a little under the radar. Everyone thought Bloodbraid Elf was a problem, and they banned it, like, oh, no, it was Deathrite Shaman. Yeah. A lot of decks play it, more decks than they, than they should, so. Uh, my name's Luke. Uh, hi, Luke. Hi. Uh, so I actually don't play Modern, which okay. is what my question is. Uh, for a budget of around $100, what deck would you recommend for someone looking to get into the format? We haven't talked about budget decks in a little while. I think, I think there's two parts of that question. One is how much of the mana base you already have. So if you're a standard play, you already have a lot of the Shocklands, so that opens up more strategies. Classically, like decks like 8-Wac, which are very aggressive. Uh, Mono Green Stompy is, like I think, a $30 deck if you like want to play that game. Um, is 8-Rack? Like, Liliana's are expensive, but otherwise 8-Rack is inexpensive. And I've seen Davriel you can replace the yeah. Liliana's with. Like, like the monocolor decks are classically the easier ones to jump into. And you'll start investing in those decks and cards that are going to let you play more and more strategies. Classically, like back in the day, Affinity was a deck people would do that with. The problem with decks like that is that a lot of the money you're spending on cards are only playable there. So what I would do is look at decks that are inexpensive to start playing. And uh, MTG Goldfish has a great resource of like budget decks there. And look at them for decks that not only are inexpensive, but also will start building your collection to start playing more and more decks in the format. Does that yeah. help? Otherwise, Burn. <laughs> yeah, Burn's always pretty good. <laughs> Less expensive now, too, than it used to be. My name is Sean, and I actually play like, Commander a lot uh, more. A little closer oh. to the mic. Sorry, I didn't. My name is Sean, and I primarily play Commander with... Awesome. Kess getting into Modern Horizons. Are there any other commander cards you're excited about or kind of anticipating getting into the next one? Uh, I would love, and I'm forgetting what it's called, but the five mana all artifacts and the living end for artifacts. I don't know okay. if that would be safe to print, but it would be dope. Um, scrap Mastery. That's Thank the you. One, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I mean, there's there's a bunch of sweet commander cards that I that I think would be really fun. Uh, Carador. Like, speaking of Kess. Yeah, but I mean, I, there's nothing that comes to mind for me because I'm I'd say less familiar than you are with the commander sets. Sure. But I also wonder, like, any of the really powerful commanders, like take like Brea as a great example. At this point, do we really think that Brea would be too good for modern? Like, probably no. not. Brea is a sweet card. It'd be about like probably as powerful as Kess. I don't think Kess is going to break through much in Modern, and that card's amazingly powerful. It's already so. gone down in price. One small, sad, depressed yeah. here. Now, I think Kess is a card that we'll see more and more play over the history of the format. And I, that's like Carador would be cool. It's a similar kind of card. Um, there's a ton of them. Pretty much any commander that doesn't reference the command zone, I would say would be cool to see. I would love to see Bloodforged Battleaxe in Modern. Big fan of that card. <laughs> okay, so um, my name is Brandon, and... Um, I was uh, I was originally going to build Eldrazi Tron, yeah, um, and I ended up going with uh, Naya Burn instead because I was able to, I had some of the cards and whatever else, um, but it was it was based on my friend's advice that Eldrazi Tron is actually positioned really poorly right now, and I was just curious your opinion as to why that is, or if you think it's going to come back, or what the future is there. I think I think it'll always have the potential to come back. It's a it's doing a powerful thing. It's cheating giant things into play that they shouldn't be able to for ways that they shouldn't be able to. Um, right now, it's just there's bigger things that you're getting into play at a more efficient rate. So you have and like Hollow One is not playable right now either, and that's getting giant four fours into play on turn two versus on turn three. And so, will it come back? I would say absolutely. I think like that deck's too powerful and generically powerful enough that it won't ever be not an existent deck. I just think that. In a format where the Graveyard and Arclay Phoenixers are getting so many powerful things so much quicker and larger numbers going wide, it has problems. It's also important to remember, like, if you, if you look at a deck and you can go back to modern history and find where it was, it was top-aiding major events for, like, months at a time, it's usually a, pretty good, it's usually a pretty good chance that at some point that deck will come back. Just because it's very, very hard to do it for an extended period of time against the highest power level decks, unless the components involved are good enough to be manipulated again by a future printing or something to spike it back up. I mean, and, like, and, and a lot of time in that situation, like look at Affinity, right? Like Affinity has won more GPs than, or as many GPs as Merfolk. I think they're tied for most GPs of all time, laughably. <laughs> but got worse as the format got more hated toward, but then they morphed towards a Harding Scales deck because that was able to interact on a different axis. So you'll get new cards or just like the strategy will adapt in a new way to be continuously powerful. And uh, just as, a, as an aside, what do you think about uh, Boggles right now? I think it's, Boggles is always a great deck to spike a tournament. Like, <laughs> sometimes you just get mashed up against a bunch of people that can't kill a hexproof creature. It's hard to interact <laughs> with, so. What right. coffee drink are you drinking? What's that? What coffee drink are you drinking? Venti uh, Americano. Nice. Thanks. All right. There you go. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, we have a line. Uh, Pipe, my name is Derek, and I mostly play Just Guy and Elves. Nice. And uh, I think Dragoon Summative might be a bit too good in general, uh, combined with Vizier combo, but I'm not sure why people are, are so scared of, well, not scared, but often mentioned in Dragoon Summative in, in a combination with uh, Dry Darper, because by itself it's not that powerful. It, like, no one really plays Blade and Elves unless you're playing Strap Elves. So, so it's not necessarily because people do play Lano World, right? They play Bird of Paradise, they play Noble Hierarch, they play Deathrite Shaman when it was unbanned. So it's not necessarily that you get a Lano Elf; it's that you get a Lano Elf that at every other point for the rest of the game is better 
<laughs> and that worst case scenario, if you need to, you can play on turn one, one of the best cards in Magic history. Like a one mana, like Noble Hierarchy is the most played creature in modern history. And Green Sun Zenith lets you get a Noble Hierarch for the important half and then late game get any other green creature you could ever want. Right? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that's, that's the opportunity cost of the card. It's more like the Death Ray Shaman was mysteriously powerful because on turn one, you play it, it fixes your mana, lets you ramp. But on turn five, it starts becoming a win condition. And Green Sun Zenith is better at, than Death Ray Shaman at that ability. Now, to be, just to the, jump in really quickly, a lot of the assumptions about these cards that we've made are based on play patterns from a couple years ago, right? Like the card hasn't been legal in a long time. We're in a completely different world right now. Modern's a totally different format than it's ever been. So unless a lot of change happens, something like a Dryad Arbor might not be as powerful as it once was, but we do expect there to be some change that happens. Well, well that's fair, but it, I've heard a lot of people say things along the lines of Grinch obviously might be fine, but then Dryad Arbor might need to be banned, and right. I don't really agree with that statement. Sure. I, the, the other with issue classic with Dryad Arbor is that it has a, you, sometimes people hide it under their lands to trick people, or sometimes it accidentally just is not, not on purpose, but they're like, oh, I'll just tap my mana like I normally do. And then you'll play like Liliana thinking you'll survive the turn. And then they're like, oh no, I had this Dryad Arbor here. So there's like another layer of like, because they printed that regular Border Forest version that people think it's, it has its other issues beyond just Green Sun Zen's power level, and that those together make it a problem. Right. Hi, my name's Alex. I play Black White Eldrazi Midrange. Great name. <laughs> and uh, I was just wondering at what point does Faithless Looting stop being just a good value spell and become something that's a problem in the format? There's an argument it's now. Like We kind of spent the last two hours talking, questioning yeah. that exact question. Um, it's, I, the most, it's the most commonly played lukewarm offender that actually just might have to go yesterday. Right. Like, that's like, it's, I mean, it's totally, it's totally unfair because it powers so many decks, but it also makes magic more fun in a lot of ways if you're playing those decks and what you can do with it and the way it interacts with so many different things. So it's, it's right on the edge. But, Ma uh, magic can be really fun when you have cheap card selection that powers multiple strategies. It's not like... And the cantrip side of it is it's like a, it's a seed that branches into multiple different places versus a Karn problem where it's a end game or I guess a fruit in this tree metaphor that I'm failing through uh, that all decks lead to. So the fact that it just like allows different strategies to work, I think, is a benefit to the card and a strength of it staying around. And the question is just is like how equipped is the format able to handle those type of graveyard strategies? And right now we're in a, a place that that might be too many. Uh, my name is Brandon, and I play Dredge. And <laughs> with the uh, addition of Hogak to Modern, like we see Closer. how powerful we have it. We see that's very powerful, but I feel like the root of the problem is like Ultra Dementia yeah. because it's it's a sack engine while being a win con. And I was kind of wondering, how do you feel about the addition of Ultra Dementia to Modern? And do you think it's actually going to be like a regrettable card being added to the format? Well, we did it. We talked about it on the list, and, and one of the things that we agreed upon was just it's a unique effect that Modern hasn't had before. It's colorless, and if you were going to ban a card out of that deck, probably that's the safest card to ban right off the bat. On the other hand, it just got printed. It hasn't been legal in Modern forever, but it's been a card that's existed forever, so I don't know if they want to get rid of it so fast. They might try something else and see if, see if they can keep it in the format for a while, because yeah. they never want to get rid of their new toys. You know? I, 
Yeah, I think, I think A, the fact that it was just printed, they might wait. No, I think they learned that lesson with Deathrite Shaman, so they're more willing to just, like, nix things. I think that the fact that it's colorless is one of its issues. Once again, we have another colorless card that can just is very inexpensive to be able to play, and you don't, like, you can't ever mana screw yourself out of it. I think that in the long run, it's probably the problem card, and the question mark is, do they get rid of it now or wait? Though... I do appreciate that it exists and from the perspective that Modern Horizons was being joked about being Commander Horizons because no one thought it was going to be very powerful. And then it broke the format in half. And then even if they ban some cards, I think there's still a bunch of cards that are super powerful from it. So, yay. Yeah, I agree 100%. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you got it, man. Thanks I for showing I love your hat. All right. All right. I think that's I think everyone. We wrapped it up. So, guys, thank you all so much for showing up and hanging out with us for probably the... Other than set review episodes, longest episode that we've ever done. Yeah. Um, this is more fun than a set review, though. <laughs> yeah, those are so long. Um, so if you want to follow, you want to listen to more content, you like this, we are, we are, we're on YouTube. We're on collected.company along with the Command Zone. You can find us uh, on Twitter. We're at the MMCast. That's also Instagram. We have a Discord. Uh, that's the MMCast. Uh, I am personally at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on the YouTube channel that we've been growing now for a little less than a year. Recently, we've started doing these streams. Uh, we're going live once or twice a week. One of us just kind of sits and talks to you guys, does Q&A for maybe an hour. We're going to probably start to grow that into some actual gameplay stream and do some screen sharing so you yeah. guys can see the lists. But a lot of like the dumb brews that I've been coming up with, I've been talking about on there. I've got a Goblin Engineer brew I'm working on right now. It's pretty sweet. Um, check that out. And uh, thank you guys all for listening and watching. And yeah, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, have a good GP. Woo! Thank you for your attention. See you later. Alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.